Hi, this is Christine Shine, host of Shine Talent Interviews, which is a series of interviews with founders, CEOs, and executive leaders, where we hear about their career journeys and unpack the resources, tools, and tactics that enabled them to overcome their personal and professional barriers to achieve the career of their dreams. I want to thank you so much for listening and hope you find their stories helpful as you build your own career journey or your company. So hi, everyone. Welcome. We are here today with Scott Lease, who is the founder and CEO of Scott Lease Consulting, as well as Surf and Sales, which is a podcast and an events business. He is also the author of two books, From Rep to Manager and Addicted to the Process. And then he started this past year, Thursday Night Sales, which is a meetup for anyone who is in the sales community or even his broader community to just come together and uh, chat about what is happening in business and sales. And you know what? I'm going to even start with that. Scott, you tell me more about Thursday Night Sales. Uh, you know, it just started as like a fun <clears throat> kind of one-off idea, you know, right when quarantine hit the first Thursday in, uh, in March. And uh, we're just like, let's just have a little happy hour. Salespeople like to have a drink and kind of shoot the shit. And we had like 30, 40 people show up. And we're like, wow, that was, you know, kind of fun. And it was a Q&A kind of thing. So they'd, the people who came would, you know, send in their questions through Zoom chat and we're like going like crazy monitoring the thing and, and addressing all the questions and concerns. And, and we just kept doing it. and. Um, you know, we peaked at like 500 people on one on one happy hour. There's people from all over the world, you know, all all different time zones and whatnot. And uh, as I was just telling you off off the recording, we, we've had over 10,000 people come uh, during 2020, and and we have sponsor, corporate sponsors like Lessonly and Alice and Aspireship and these cool tech companies. Um, and we've we've now migrated over to a, a Slack community as as well with a couple thousand people uh, nice. actively participating. So good, good community and, and support system for those in, you know, in any kind of business, but sales, marketing, revenue, operations, that type of stuff. So. And anybody can join Thursday night sales. It's open. Oh, it's, yeah, it's, it's free. It's like, you know, informative, communal. Like come to the party. Raw, raw is also raw and like, you know, very direct, like Amy Volos, my co-founder and I, you see this ridiculous little picture here. The yeah. community sent these two paintings, one to me and one to Amy uh, of us. <clears throat> um, it's just, uh, we're, we're both pretty out, outspoken about, about things. So it's, uh, it gets pretty funny sometimes as well. So okay. it's a good time. Um, and they'll go to your website, uh, scottleesconsulting.com to find Thursday Night Sales and join. All of that stuff, yeah, thursdaynightsales.com, surfandsales.com, all of those links are on scottleesconsulting.com. Okay. Um, so the reason I wanted you to join Shine Talent Interviews is because I have been following you for a very long time on LinkedIn. So somehow we connected in like a long time, I don't know, a few years, I think. And um, you are like a hardcore sales guy. And we recruit for sales and marketing leadership. 
And you, I've never, I'd like rarely do you see somebody who's so passionate about their work. Like you are all in, in everything you do. Like, you're just like, yeah, I am hungry. I am going after it. I wake up every single day and, and just make it all happen. And it's just, it's, I, I love reading your posts. I subscribe to your newsletter and I think you've got awesome information in it. And I think it's just, it's great. And so, so what I wanted to do is uh, kind of go behind all of the posts and all of the information that's out there to understand uh, a little bit more of the tactics that has gotten you to where you are today. And I know that everything is driven by your passion, like you could tell that, but um, you've done some really interesting things with your career. Um, and, and I, you know, the founder stuff, is interesting and we could talk about that a little bit later but i really care about your career path and your career journey um and some of the things that have made you successful and so i want to start with the idea of networking so you and i don't know each other we met 15, <coughs> 10 minutes yeah. ago. We met 13 minutes ago for the very first time ever um and i just reached out to you and i was like hey i love your staff and let's let's meet each other. Um, and here we are, and this is totally fun. Um, but you've built an entire career and now a big business and networking for sales and sales purposes. Um, so I want to hear from you, or I know our people would love to hear from you. Our community would love to hear from you. Just your thoughts on networking for those who are terrified of networking and terrified of that cold reach out. Um, because we meet a lot of people and I don't care at what level they're at. They just are really nervous about it. Um, and I know your background is sales. My background is originally sales. So it's like, yeah, let's see, you know, you just got to reach out and go for it. But take that back. Like, you know, for those who, um, may not have that level of confidence, like two, three tips on networking and how to think about networking. Well, even if you just rewind this tape like a minute, you just said, you know, we have been connected for years, but this is the first time that we've ever met and, and spoken and really like interacted. That's a perfect example of why I believe that growing a network is so important because you never know who you're going to be able to help and you never know who's going to be able to help you. And no, you also don't know when the right moment is going to be. So if you look at it in terms of like really near term and, sh and short term, like how can Christine and I, you know, partner on something right now, then it can get intimidating because you might feel busy uh, or, or not have a clear idea of, you know, when some kind of collaboration can happen. But if you look at it in the long tail, and we're talking years, right? right? You just said we've been connected for years. Um, the pressure goes away. It dissipates to me, for me, it dissipates. And, and so I'm just trying to collect as many people in my network as possible and do the things that I feel are important to give back and try to be helpful to others. And I never know when somebody like Christine is gonna show up and say, hey, I have been silently lurking and really enjoy your stuff. <laughs> and I'm like, really? Wow, that's, that's cool. I didn't, I had, had no idea. 
And then what happens is, boom, here's an opportunity. Now I'm on your show with an opportunity for me to potentially reach a brand new audience that I, I don't know or interact with. Yeah. And that expo- exposure might bring me new connections and those new yeah. connections bring me opportunity. So the, the, the size of my network is actually something that I really actively worked on um, years ago, starting it. And it's interesting because so many people tell you, oh, don't worry about the size of the network. It's the, it's the quality of the connections that you have in the network. I never really understood that logic. Like, why would I not want to have 100,000 connections and work really hard to strengthen literally all 100,000 of those, one way or the other? Yeah. Why would I want to only connect with people that I've met face-to-face before? And it, that old-school kind of way and that private kind of network and, and the way people use the first social networks like Facebook where you're only connecting with people that you directly know, that died off years ago, to be honest with you. And if you haven't actively pushed to, to grow the size of your network over the last couple of years, I'm just gonna be honest with you, you are really far behind. Yeah. And you are far behind in terms of the amount of opportunity that just randomly shows up on your doorstep. This doesn't mean that you can't go find a job if you don't have a big network and you, you, you can't earn well and you can't meet interesting people. But I promise you, if you spent six months connecting with 25 to 30 new people a day, your whole life will change. You, yeah. You'd be shocked about the number of opportunities that show up on, uh, on your lap. Okay, let's talk about like very tactically how to do that, right? Like, so again, going back to how we found each other, I don't know, somehow I saw a post, like one of your posts rolled up, rolled into my feed. And I was like, yeah, you know, he's smart. So I just like press the connect button. Um, and we connected and here we are. I remember probably like a year ago, you put a post out and it was like, I have just cleaned my network. I went through this exhausting, tiresome, long yeah. weekend where I literally deleted people on my LinkedIn because I want, you know, only valuable people, whatever that word valuable is. And you didn't use that word by the way. But it was like, I want to build a more meaningful network, right? So, so the idea of like, just connect, 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 doesn't seem right. Um, then there's a lot of people who are just not great content creators, right? Like you have a big voice, you have big ideas, you're putting yourself out there every day. There's other people who just don't feel comfortable with that. Tell me, you know, give me, give me two things that they can do to just jumpstart that network. Well, here's the difference though, is, is like, there's no problem at all in my opinion with connect, 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 connect when you're just building. The difference when you're talking about the pruning that I was doing, yeah. you know, I've got 30,000 connections, I'm maxed out and I got 62,000 followers on LinkedIn. So I have By the to way, I'm glad room. I made the cut. I don't know how I made the cut, but I'm still getting your cuts. <laughs> I got it. So I have to make room for new people that I meet every single day. And so that requires me to dig into my network now and be like, okay, this person hasn't been active on LinkedIn in two years. So I got to remove them. Right. So, but when I'm just getting started, I was very indiscriminate because I don't know who's active, who's not active, who's going to 
who am I going to kind of, you know, get, a, get it off with and, and like interact with regularly and, and that type yep. of thing. So that what holds people back, I think at the beginning is, is, is the fear of, you know, is this person going to accept or not? Am I going to look silly? You know, yeah. should I include a little personalized note or not include a personalized note? You know, I think if, if you're interacting with people whose networks are small, I, I don't think that they care that much about getting a personalized note. If you try to connect with me now and there's no personalized note, it, it's not happening. I, oh, I have really? like 5,000, oh, I have like 5,000 pending requests right now that I, that I can't accept. So when I do have those moments where I need to go prune my network, if I'm scrolling through the pendings, I have to only look for the people who have sent a note because I got to try to remember, well, who the hell is Christine? Like, why is she sending me this thing? Right, 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 you know, right, right. Mention something that mention something that I did or where we interacted or why that we're so you why you're trying to connect with me. That personal note is really important, huh? I depending on who you're, yes, depending on who you're interacting with in particular, yes. Yeah. Okay. Because again, if somebody, if you're interacting with somebody who's well-established, um, they're super busy and there's no context for the connection. How do I get excited about it? Yeah. Right? Okay. I don't know who you are. You can, what do you want me to go do my own research and figure out what you do? No, yeah. I'm not doing that. Yeah. Okay. That, that, that time, time is, is done. And on the, on the content creation side, you know, it's not like I shot out of the womb knowing how to, write blog posts and say something interesting. Right. Okay. I mean, I, I, I spent at least a decade of my career just getting really good at my job before I ever started to produce my own kind of content. Yep. So you don't have to be a content creator. You can connect with people and participate on, on LinkedIn or in these other communities like, you know, the Thursday night sales community or rev genius or sales hacker, hacker or revenue collective. You can just respond and comment on other people's content. So yeah. that doesn't require you to have an original thought or idea. So if Christine writes something interesting about, you know, the state of recruiting today, you can just chime in and say, hey, you know, great post, Christine. What do you think about this? Totally. It's like joining And now you're, now you're interacting and engaging. Yeah. 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 And you just pop in and pop out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like joining a party or walking into a room with a party. Like, grab yourself a cocktail. Just, you know walk around, find a conversation that's interesting and pop in. Like that's yeah. kind of the way and you got to roll with it. I think you don't have to grab the, you know, mic. You're not giving the best man speech, right? right. You don't have to all the time. Right. Just, uh, just chime in. Even if you just say, Hey, that's a great post. I really enjoyed that. Thank you. Yeah. That, well, little, that, that little comment will brand yourself just a little bit. And if you do that enough on enough of my posts and I see the same picture of Christine on my posts, you know, consistently yeah. just liking something or, or saying great posts, there's a little level of familiarity that starts to show up. So yeah. when and if you actually do need something or, or, or have a bigger, bigger ask of me and, and send me a direct message, I'm like, oh, I recognize, I recognize her. Yeah. She, all right. I'll, I'll respond to that message. Right. So I, uh, I also like people who just share smart articles or other posts, right? Like I, I, I'm really curious about the world and I'm really curious about what's happening. And if I find a really interesting article on sales or something that you're posting, like I, I want to read it and I can't scroll through everything that's out there. So if, if somebody smart, I know whether they're active, um, 
putting a lot of content out or not is sharing something really smart. Like I, I'm clicking and I'm interested and I'm like, Oh, like it's, it's what you're reading is a reflection of you. I think. Yeah, completely. And, and you, this is why you're kind of curating your feed is important. You know, you, yeah. you can stay connected with people, but unfollow kind of their writings and, and posts and things. If, if they're not writing relevant content for you, doesn't mean they're an irrelevant connection, but you know, yep. when I have 30,000 connections, there's bound to be people writing things that I don't really have an interest in or, or care about. So yeah. I can stay connected to them and unfollow their content. So, but I want to make sure I get, you know, these 200 people who's, who are super smart, who always share relevant stuff. I want to make sure I see those every single day. So that's where the kind of the curating of the, the feed comes in. And you can do that on, on Twitter or LinkedIn or, you know, any, um, any network that you're, that you're a part of. Um, what's your recommendation for time allocated to networking? Cause I believe that it has to be really carved out and you know, yeah, it becomes organic after a while, but if you are not dedicating the time, like you're not building your network in a meaningful, thoughtful way, like you've got to put some energy into it. Um, what do you think about time? What do you think about how you sort of carve that out and make it happen? Any tips, tricks, thoughts on that? I mean, I think the easiest thing to do is just pick a number and commit to adding that many connections or, or engaging on that many, you know, posts every single day. It's just like any other KPI if you're a, if you're a salesperson, you know. Um, and so I, I think it, a lot of it has to do with how large your network is at the moment, how, how large you want to get it and in what period of, of time. But how complicated would it be for somebody to add 20 new connections every single day? There, there is not a human being in the professional world that can't find time to connect with 20 people. Because I promise you, you're flipping through Facebook or you're flipping through Twitter or you're looking at pictures on Pinterest and Instagram. If you just replaced 20 minutes of that time. Right. Stop worrying about with, your kitchen you, you remodel. Know, yeah. With, 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 <laughs> with the LinkedIn app. I mean, I can remember standing in line for places when I was building my network, not knowing what to do and just killing time. And rather than looking at garbage, I was connecting with people on LinkedIn. Yeah. So all this downtime where I'd be at the grocery store or something and I'm waiting to pay or, or whatever. I'm, you know, sitting in traffic. Don't tell my mom sitting in traffic, like connecting with people when I'm stop and go, like, this is, this is how I, I squeeze it all, all in, you know? And again, it all comes down to like the opportunities that can start to come, come your way. Like I've built my entire business on the back of my network. I haven't made one single prospecting email or, or one single prospecting cold call in the 15 months that I've been in business for myself. Everything has come through my network, inbound. you know, through connections, all inbound through connections that I have or people who have reached out that hey, I really love your content. I'm building a sales org. would love to talk to you um, or, or the prior work that I've done, you know, as an operator. It's all it's all inbound. Yeah. It's, and that would never happen if I had neglected building a network. Never. But, you know, again, just going back to the comfort level or whatever, I mean, you were trained in sales and you, you, did, you had to get comfortable at some point in time, right? And put the practice in place. And again, that is one of the things that I really like about um, 
your work, your writing, um, your, your blog, it's just like all about the process, right? Like you have to put a process in place and you have, you have to just go after it. Like you have to be, it's the commitment, I think, is what it comes down yeah. to. Um, which I think that comes from the sales rigor that you likely grew up with. Well, no? I, I think it goes, well, I think it goes farther back than that, to be honest with you. I mean, I, I, I was an athlete my whole, my whole life. I, I played yeah. multiple sports in high school. I played two sports in college for four years. Like I, I know what it's like to have a routine and to work hard and to not be the most talented person in the room and still have to find a way to, to do better and beat somebody. Yeah. Um, whether it's outworking them or outsmarting them or, or whatever, any kind of advantage that you can get. Um, and then, you know, it's, it's a well-documented story, but I spent age 23 to 27 in the hospital for four years fighting for my life, you know, and, and that, the level of like mental toughness and resiliency that you have to develop um, and bring to the forefront to survive something like that um, can't be understated, you know? So, so when I was unleashed into the professional world at 27 years old, looking for a job for the first time, I'm not a normal 27 year old, you know, I'm not a 27 year old who fucked off the early twenties of my life and just, you know, partied too much and, <clears throat> and didn't know what to do with themselves. I was deprived. I didn't have the chance. So you take somebody like me, who's like hyper competitive, very strategic. And then you deprive me of fresh air, let alone yeah. opportunity right, right, right. For, for year, for years. Now you release me into the wild is a little bit of like, oh, the world doesn't know what's about to hit them. You know, yeah. you know what I mean? Like I will not squander any single moment or opportunity. And so the sense of urgency that I have is just heightened compared to a, a lot of other people. And the fear goes away. Like, what do I have to worry about? What's the worst thing that can happen? I've like literally already survived the worst fucking thing. Hopefully that will ever happen to me. Yeah. So yeah. knowing that, what do I have to worry about? Yeah, what, you don't have fear. Upset. Yeah. What am I going to be upset if somebody hangs up on me? Like, give yeah. me a break. Like, there's, and, and am, I, am, I gonna, am I gonna freak out if I am who I gonna cares? freak out if I lose my job? Like, who right. cares? Like, if yeah. I, go ahead, fire me. No, I mean, I've been on the hot seat, the hot seat before. It's like, what are you gonna do? Fire me? Okay. Yeah. I'll find yeah. another job in forty-eight hours. So what? Yeah. Yeah. You know. I mean, when I reached out to you to uh, see if you would be a guest today, I was like, whatever. Like, you know, he either is or isn't. It's all good. Like, it's yeah. Right. Exactly. My world doesn't change if you choose not to show up. If you do, this is awesome. That's and right. here we are. And now we get to know each other. But it's all good if you didn't too. Right. I'm, I'm moving forward. I'm pressing on. Like I, I've got, I've yeah. got big things to do in life. And um, I want an awesome group of community and people around me. And I love meeting people. And, you know, hey, if you're, you're in, let's meet each other and get to know each other. But if you choose not to, it's all good too. Like we just got to keep going. So yeah, and again, back back to how we started. Like you just never know who can help you and who you can help. It just so happens that I have multiple like executive level searches that I need help with because I don't have a huge network of like VP yeah. of marketing and VP of customer success. And before we started the show, you were like telling me about your business. And you're like, yeah, I, I, I fill CRO and CMO seats. And I'm like, well, fuck, I got two referrals for you as soon as we can, 
get done with it. <laughs> and meanwhile, back, I'm not, I'm not, meanwhile I'm back at the ranch, I have multiple Series B and Series C companies that are ready to build their sales org. So I will be bringing you in as well. So. Well, there, there you go. There you go. And like, yeah. that doesn't happen. That doesn't happen if one of us doesn't reach out to the other one years ago and connect. And it certainly doesn't happen if you don't reach out and say, hey, you know, I yeah, know you're probably really busy, connect. but do you, want, do you want to come on the show? Yeah. 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 Let's and now, and now, and now there may be an exchange of like, you know, leads and that could turn into closed business and like, who knows, maybe we're, maybe we're fast friends moving yeah. forward, you know? Yeah. Um, okay. I want to switch gears a little bit to the idea of integrating your passion into your work. And I'm going to, I'm going to lay the foundation with two things. One, and then I would just want you to rip and talk and do all the awesomeness that you do. Um, one is I remember about a year before, I don't know if it was a year, but it was, it was, you know, 12 months, 18 months or whatever, before you launched your own business, I remember you put a post out there that said, you know, people ask me why I don't start my own business and why I'm not an entrepreneur. And I think you, you said something like, I, you know, I have kids, I have my family and I am an entrepreneur. I'm an entrepreneur in the companies I work for. I always own my own business, even though I'm working in some form of a corporate entity. And I loved that post. And the reason why I loved it is because entrepreneurship is so hard and it's so risky. And I meet so many people who take the leap without a plan then they become consultants for, I don't know, two years. And then I like, you know, they, they finally like, you know, put the Chardonnay down, stop biting their nails and are like, holy crap, I made the biggest mistake of my life, right? And then they call me and they're like, I gotta get back in the game and the whole thing. And it's like, look, like if you want to be an entrepreneur, be an entrepreneur, go for it, like live big, but you better have a plan before you take that leap because salary, benefits, 401k, security, yeah. support, infrastructure. Like I was up at 5 a.m. this morning doing two hours of work. It's 7 a.m. where I am right now. You know, I was up at 5 a.m. doing two hours of work to make sure I'm prepped for the day so that you and I and I could have our time together. And by the way, I go to like 9, 10 o'clock at night sometimes. Like I didn't do that when I was in the big cushy corporate job. So yeah. Like the idea of like, how do you integrate your passion, which entrepreneurship was one of yours into your corporate life. And then the other thing is, of course, surf and sales, right? Like when you did the whole event yeah. or you, you do have your, your sales event. And I think you started that when you were in corporate, like that was an, as yeah. I recall. So talk yeah. to me a little bit about that integration and, and just putting your, helping people put themselves in the mentality of like, it doesn't need to be separate and do, do it in a way that makes sense. Yeah. That's such a good, a good call out. It doesn't have to be so all or nothing and it doesn't have to be filled with all of the risk. And, and, and what I mean by that is, you know, I, I got started later in my, in my life, in my career, I never had a job, a professional job till I was 27. All right. So I sort of was like, married and had kids by the time I was a VP of sales and you know learning is like I have responsibility right, right? like I can't just take a 
no salary and sleep on my buddy's couches for six months to build a business. Like I also have health challenges. I also have an elder son who has health challenges. So like, there's a lot of things that kind of make me clamp shut in terms of my risk profile. So I'm not, I'm not like, I'm a decently risk adverse type type person. So I wanted to make sure and my plan was, I want to make sure I know what the hell I'm doing before I ever go off on my own. I need to get really good at this thing. You know, so it's like, I need to get really good at selling. Okay, I did that. How do I get really good at being a sales manager? Okay, did that. How do I get really good at being a VP of sales? Okay, did that. How do I get really good at branching out and testing little side projects and side hustles, which to your point in my post, were how I tested some of the entrepreneurial stuff. And I was doing that while I was fully employed. You know, at multiple companies as an SVP of sales, like I bought a couple of real estate properties. Then I decided to to write this book and let addicted to the process come out there, and that brings in you know a couple hundred dollars of royalties every single month. And then I had the idea about the the surf and sales conference, and so we put together some of those, and I used my PTO to go down to Costa Rica and run these events, and so. What started to make sense to me was, here's my regular income level. So if anybody can see, you know, is watching yeah. this, like here's my regular income level. Here's my kind of side hustle entrepreneurial income. And my goal was to bring this side hustle stuff up to where it matched. And I, in my mind, I'm like, well, once it matches, now I've de-risked going out on my own. So I can cut the cord, boom, with this W-2 stuff. And hopefully I can at least maintain. And if I can maintain, then I'm in good shape, right? And that gives me a chance to learn more as I grow about, you know, my own business ventures and expand into new things and whatnot. The interesting thing is, as soon as I cut the cord, income like went through the roof. Yeah. Like more, more, than, more than doubled. But the, the story that people, you know, kind of don't want to, pay attention to as much as I spent 15 years in the trenches digging ditches and that's the, right? and that's what I loved about that post that you know and again I think it was a couple yeah. years ago I saw it, but that's what I loved about it I was like you know what like this guy gets it you gotta work you gotta work and you gotta work yeah. hard you don't wake up one day as an entrepreneur it just doesn't that doesn't happen no and I put my I put myself in organizations where I was as close to like the entrepreneurial journey as possible. Like, like I, you know, you worked at the big newspaper, right? Yeah. Not, the, oh. not this guy. Like hey, that my, kind of hey, thing. Hey, my is friend, not, not, you, you don't know me. too much about me. I was part of the part starting team at Pop Sugar Series A 30. I know that part. Like, you I know, know, I know, I know that part. So yeah. you did, you did that. But what I did is I did six of those. Yeah. Pop sugar thing. No, I, did I just one. kept it was going fun. back. I, yeah. I just kept going back like a, like a masochist. I just kept going back to this like super early stage thing. Every job I ever took as an operator was like, you know, two people in a garage with an idea kind of thing, always yeah. zero revenue. And how do I scale that to, you know, 20 something, 25 million ARR. And then I would get kind of bored and get distracted and need a new challenge. So I'd go back to the beginning every single time. So I sort of got to witness 
you know, how to build over and over and over a half dozen times and then started building a few things on my own while still employed as like dry runs in practice. So by the time I finally cut the cord, I'm like, okay, I, I feel like I got this. I know how to do this. I, I did okay in my career. I built up a big network. I have a decent reputation. Like I should be able to make this, this happen. And that doesn't mean I don't wake up every single day thinking, you know, I'm an imposter and this is all going to disappear because that little voice is like always there. This is all going to go away tomorrow. Um, but if I dig down into my psyche, like I, I, you know, I have a lot of confidence that I'm on the right path and I'm going to be okay. Yeah. The other, um, you know, this topic was around incorporating your passion into your work, but I also think it's really around career transformation as well. Like so many people, that I meet are unhappy. I mean, they call me all the time, right? I'm a recruiter. Can you help me? And they're so yeah. unhappy. And they've got the golden handcuffs, right? Because they're senior executives. I work with a lot of senior executives. And they've been in the jobs forever. And they've been in the discipline for a long time, or they've been in the industry for a long time. And, you know, that I, I loved what you just said about how you were like, look, here's where I'm at today. And I'm going to, whether it's monetary, whether it's education, whatever it is, I'm going to side hustle my way to get to a level that gets me comfortable. And yeah, you had to work double time or whatever it was. And then you made that transformation. And I just, you know, it, it all comes down to having that plan and putting the work in. And so um, it's just incredibly impressive what you've done and where you are. I, I I, I feel for the people who are, you know, in this kind of golden handcuff type type situation who didn't put the work in to, to build a network and get as much exposure to new opportunities. And I feel for people, I feel for people who've been at the same company in the same industry for 10, 20, 30 years, because that, that is like, that's a dinosaur in, in my opinion. That's like something that's completely going extinct. You're, you're siloed off now and, you, and if you haven't built a network and you haven't been exposed to new people, new companies, new ideas, new technologies, new industries, it's, it's got to be scary, you know, yeah. to, to figure it out how to, get, how to get out of there and make the leap. So the people who are earlier in their career, I think people know this now. And I think people like myself shy away from getting stuck at one place for 10, 15 years, you know, there's, there, I'm going to screw the quote up, but, uh, there was a, a VC that I talked to a few years ago who essentially said they're starting to look at executives. Whereas if you've been someplace less than two years, you're probably not that great. If you've been someplace two to four years, you are solid. If you've been someplace over five years, they kind of question your ambition and like, they think you're kind of just mailing it in. And I thought that was super interesting. Not that it's I mean, it's kind of, it's, sad, it's sadly the recruiting secret. I mean, honestly, it's the recruiting secret. When I am looking at somebody's profile and I don't know them, and I see less than two years, especially multiple times. I mean, yep. it's a red flag. You can't prove yourself because you could hide too much, right? Like, first of all, you got to get your sea legs behind the bathroom. Yeah. Then you go in and you, you sort of do a couple of things, but you, it takes time to do great work and make big impact. And so 
you know, less than two years is definitely something we get concerned about. For me, it's like between the four and five, that's the magic number. When they stay longer, I really, you know, I have to see the growth trajectory within the corporation and that, that they've also moved into different divisions, right? That they've run yeah. different products, that they've marketed different things, that they may have been in research and then ended up in a product or whatever it might be. Um, so geez, now I'm telling all my secrets. Guys. Well, it's good. It's, it's good to hear you. It's good to hear you. It's good to hear you say that and espouse the same message because I, I don't think, I think it's a little bit of a dirty secret still. I, I don't think people talk about it um, enough. And so I think there's too many people who, who are not aware that what they think they might be doing to kind of protect their career is actually damaging their, their career yeah. a little bit. Yeah. And you can run into a situation like 2020 where all these people got laid off. Yeah. Right. Out of nowhere, people who've been in their jobs for years and years and years. And now they're like, Oh shit. You know, yeah. and who, who's going to, who's going to get, who's got the better odds of, of finding a new job. Somebody yeah. who's got a hundred thousand connections across industries and disciplines all over the place, or somebody who's got 15 years experience in the CRM space, but has a tiny network. It's a, a, a no brainer. The game has changed. And I think people really need to be made aware of that. Yeah. And so what I was going to say is going back to either that like 15 year executive or, you know, I, they're, they're labeled hoppers. Like literally I, I, people who call me and it's like, yeah, you're a hopper. Like they're, 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 they're jumping, they're jumping too much. And there's a reason for that. And it's a problem. Um, and I can tell you all the excuses they make, but it's like, you got to put your heads down. If you're committing to something, you've got to put your heads down. Um, but if I know the person and they were connected into me and we have formed some form of a relationship, whether it is even on a social media platform or it's, um, you know, somebody I just met through my career, right? You've worked at Unilever for 15 years. Well, it's a really interesting company, Unilever, and they have a ton of different brands and a ton of different products. And, you know, we knew each other or met each other either through, like I said, LinkedIn or a cocktail party or whatever. Like, I'm going to spend more time really understanding their skill sets and their works versus just that view. And connecting with me, and it goes back to the networking piece, Connecting with me at the desperate moment is tough, right? It's really tough. Like when you're yeah. out of a job and all of a sudden you're going to start building your network, like that's a tough time yeah. to start building your network. So, all right. Completely, completely agree. You don't, you don't want to come at these from a position of weakness. You know, you want to make sure you're in a position of strength when I interact with you as the, the recruiter or, or it's no different than asking for a raise. Like I'm not going to come ask for a raise when <laughs> I'm not doing well. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So we're, we're at time and I want to be thoughtful of your time, but I, my favorite question, and you would not let me send you questions beforehand, which was pretty awesome, by the way. Um, some people are yeah. like, can you send me questions beforehand? Okay. So um, the question that I always ask is what is the hardest interview question that you ask or the hardest interview question that you have been asked? I like to ask people when I, when, when I was interviewing people, I like to ask people, um, tell me one thing that you believe to be true that most people believe to be false. 
And the reason is I'm trying to look for like creative thinking <clears throat> as well as your commitment to an idea or a concept or something. So I want to hear how you articulate it. And so somebody might say something to me and I'd be like, tell me more about that. Cause that seems, you know, seems right. crazy. I would definitely be on the side that disagrees with you. Right. And I get to, I get to witness their, the way they craft a, a dialogue, the way they craft an argument, <clears throat> the, way they, the way they stick to their position or, or back down from it or not. Um, so that's one question that I, that I would ask people. I, I was always interested in kind of who this person is sitting across from me more than what's on the piece of paper or what their, you know, quota attainment num numbers are and that kind of thing. Um, the hardest question that was ever asked of me is, is just, it's just because it's so direct and so honest. And, and the question was, <clears throat> listen, you go places for two and a half to three years and, you know, you get them from zero to 20 something million uh, and then you leave. How do I know you're not going to do the same thing if I hire you? And my, my response is, well, you actually do know that I'm going to do the same thing. The right. question is whether or not like, more or less me guaranteeing to get you to 20 something million in under three years is meaningful for you and, and, it, and is important and impactful. You can find somebody else later on. If, you, if not looking for that, if you're looking for somebody who's going to be around for 10, 15 years, like I'm not your guy. It's not going to happen. So it was just difficult because it caught me off guard the first time that I heard it. It was like somebody calling me on, on, my, on my own strategy. Like my own strategy is right. basically, okay, the average VP of sales is in their seat 12 to 18 months. I'm going to more than double that and do what I need to get done. But then I, I'm, gonna, I'm out. I'm out before like I'm starting to get bored. There's too much red tape. They're going to come after me anyways. So like I would quit before they could kind of get rid of me. And so they called me on that. And so the, the, the difficulty was, do I just be transparent? Do I just own it? Yeah. Um, and ultimately, that's, that's the direction I went. And by the way, I, I, I did get hired, and that company is now worth $1.6 billion. So yeah, yeah. There's that. Hey, look, I am a believer that there is, uh, especially in sales and marketing, by the way, that there's people for stages. Um, yes, you know, stage appropriate. Like you, yeah, yeah, there's people like you that are just like, all I like is the build, the chaos, the make it happen run hard yeah. then there's that next level that comes in and says all right you know what we need we need to organize a little bit <laughs> like this whole like you know running hard chasing it all like let's operationalize let's put in process let's put in systems all that that'll take you to the next level and then there's usually a third that'll take you to ipo it's rare or exit or whatever it is it's rare you see yeah. somebody stay the course um it's just different skill yeah. sets it's not right on anybody no, so. it's 100% accurate and we don't have enough time to get into it. But like, this is why I'm a big fan of stage appropriate vesting as opposed to the standard yeah. bullshit four year vesting schedule. You know, um, why oh, should I, really as the VP of sales or the yeah, yeah, VP yeah. of marketing, why, do, why should I have to be there for four years? You're bringing me here to get you off the ground and to go from zero to 60. If I can do that in less than four years, why should I be penalized yeah, by me. not being able to vest, to vest fully? So yeah. this, this is something that I've, I've started to kind of, and you've been following my stuff. So I tend to rage against the machine on this kind of stuff a little bit, but like, this yeah. is something that I'm starting to get more and more, um, you know, outspoken about and 
I'd love to see. Yeah, I love that. Just put it in the contract, right? It's pretty simple. I get you to 50 million, yeah. or 25 million or whatever the target number is. Like I get my point or whatever it's going to be. Yeah. Like, I love that. And, and, and by the way, the, the four-year vest is completely arbitrary. It's just, there's no like yeah. scientific reason for it being. It's just like, that's what was decided years yeah. ago. And nobody ever, nobody ever questions it. So yeah. it's time for some of these uh, old pillars to, fall down. That's really interesting. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, um, thank you, my new friend. This was fun. Yeah. This was great. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah. Um, so I'm so glad we connected and uh, I, we're going to do some business together, I hope. I think it's going to be fun. Yes. I want to uh, introduce I'm... you to some of my companies and uh, I, I think there's I a lot that. of companies that I'm working with that are, you know, thinking about building their sales orgs and, you know, we've worked in other angles and it's, they, what, what you do is, is really, um, there's two companies top of mind for me right now that I'm like, ah, you should meet the CEOs of them. Right. I appreciate that. And, uh, I will be sure to, to send you a quick email with the, the links to the two companies I know who are on this VP of marketing search that, uh, that I can't help them with <clears throat> and, and hopefully you can. So I'll, you'll have two introductions today if you get a chance to, look over the sites and feel like you can be helpful. Awesome. I love it. Um, all right. Well, it was great connecting and we are going to find more time offline to uh, do some business together. Thanks, Christine. All right. Take care. Bye. Bye-bye.